Welcome back to The Strong Room. Paul Rogalski is well known for being one of Calgary's top chefs and restaurateurs. Rouge Restaurant made the world's best restaurants list in 2010. He's in conversation with Jenna Ray Roy of McMillan Estate Planning, talking about the early days of Rouge when he and his partner were facing a very tough challenge. We were essentially a startup business, putting everything on the line. Uh, our cash flow was pretty low, and to do the name change from the Cross House restaurant to Rouge uh, had us really with the the knife under our throat uh, financially. We were in a scenario of being well into our overdraft. In fact, we only had $200 left. And I, who was always the pessimist, was at work, and Olivier, who was always the optimist, up to that point, um, was at home, and I remember getting a phone call at the restaurant. He called in to see if our new sign was being put on the front of the building, and and so I was very excited. And I'm like, yeah, the sign is here, everything, everything is great. And he's like, buddy, we're going down. We have $200 left. We've got nothing. And I'm looking at the reservation book, and I'm saying, do you know what? We, we've got 18 people tomorrow. That's pretty cool. That's what we have. So we reversed rules for that one moment in time. And... Sure enough, as soon as that first day of Rouge came around, we did our 18 covers, and then the day after we did 36 covers, and then the year after we had paid off all of our debts, we were busy, and uh, we, we had momentum. And it, it seemed like that, uh, that one word rebrand, changing it from the Big Red House in Inglewood or the Cross House, which is the Big Red House in Inglewood, to straight up Rouge was the right thing to do. Paul, can you please share with us how how being on the world's best list has changed your world and your business? It's, uh, you know, this whole thing about being world ranked is, is such an interesting thing. Uh, I was at the Athletes Village. I was one of the managing chefs in Whistler for the Olympics in 2010. And I had just returned home literally to, to Rouge after being away for six weeks a little bit broken. We worked our, our butts off for the Olympics. And the stack of mail wait, waiting for me was, of course, six weeks old. So I, I'm looking at the stack and I'm like, oh, man, I don't really want to deal with this right now. I just wanted to tell my stories about, um, you know, hanging out in a room with uh, the Prince of Jordan, not even knowing it's the Prince of Jordan. I really, really do wish that I controlled my language a bit better. Um <laughs> Had I known he was there, I probably would have. Anyhow, I get into the stack of mail and I pull out this envelope and it's from the San Pellegrino World's 50 Best Restaurant Awards. I open it up and says, congratulations. Your restaurant's been uh, nominated. You've placed between 51st and 100 on this year's um, World's Best Restaurant list. Can you please come to London, England um, and find out where you placed, you know, be part of this whole thing. So we thought somebody was pulling a prank on us. We had heard of the awards. There's no doubt about it. These are the awards that um, have set Bully as the number one restaurant for three years running and more recently Noma for three years as the number one restaurant in the world. It's a big, big deal. So we're thinking there's no way... Our little restaurant in Calgary is the restaurant that they think it is. I mean, wow, how did that happen even? How did these judges find us? No way. So 
I go to London. I, I sit down uh, with Thomas Keller and Daniel Balud and all these big name chefs at the awards. And I'm sitting next to uh, a very popular chef right now named Grant Etches from Alenia in Chicago. His restaurant's name is Alenia, currently the, the number one restaurant in North America. And it was real. We we had made the San Pellegrino list. We were um, not sure how to handle it because we didn't really believe that it happened to us. But literally, while I'm having you know a couple of beverages with some of the other chefs that were at the awards, um, I didn't know where we placed because I wasn't paying attention at that moment. I should have been, but I was engaged in conversation, and uh, I sent a, an email home to find out that they could barely deal with me uh, because the phones have been ringing off the hook. So this is how fresh it is. I don't even know where we placed on the list. My business partner here in Calgary did, uh, thanks to the internet, and so did a lot of other people. But it really, uh, to put things in perspective, it's a, a shocker for us. We ended up having to hire staff to refuse business. That's how sudden our, our spike in um, traffic, customer traffic was. And then we had to figure out, okay, how did we get there? We have all this new staff now. We we don't know how we got there. We didn't even know that we were being judged. We, we didn't know how it worked, all that. We were just trying to react and be the best that we could be. Um, and I, I think that was our, our epiphany, though, is we weren't trying to be anything else other than ourselves. And our new hires that we had had to learn who we were corporately and our values. And, you know, pretty well comes down to simple things like we want to make people happy. We, we love what we do and we want people to be comfortable and have a good time and enjoy themselves. And if we can have anything to do with it, we want them to, to leave a little enriched, have, a, have an experience that's memorable in a positive way um, and make their day a little bit better um, by the time they leave than when, we, when they arrived. Paul, in a mentoring sense, what would you like to pass on to our listeners on The Strong Room today? This whole whole thing of mentoring, you know, 10 years ago, I didn't really think about it very much um, because I've always been just focused on trying to be my personal best. And um, now I'm getting to an age where the world has changed a lot in the past 10 years. I've changed a lot in the past 10 years. And... Um, there's just different parameters. We've got different things to deal with. The kids nowadays have different things to deal with. Business doesn't look the same. The climate's changing. There's um, issues of energy and issues of um, everything from you know water contamination, the state of the oceans. There's a lot going on and a lot of things that we really need to pay attention to. Um, mainly for our own survival of, you know, the human species. So I think what I want to do is I want to make sure that we kind of preserve a little bit of the traditions that uh, when it comes to food, that the cooks that are working for me have a chance to grow something. They need to know where the food they're cooking comes from. I think everybody does. Like I was saying earlier in this interview, 
I think food is is a segue. It, it bridges so many different things. It's something we all have in common. Um, and if the lessons of food and just simple things, you know, growing something, understanding, you know, the nature of of um, fishing and and the consequence of fishing poorly, uh, all these little things to help us get to tomorrow. And it, it scares me. There's a lot going on. I, I am. I'm scared. I'm petrified of the state of the ocean right now. Species have been pulled out of the ocean to the point that they're, you know, there's going to be mass extinction. Um, the pH levels are changing. That's going on right now. Uh, we've got huge contamination issues, um, whether it be through nuclear radiation or garbage floating in the ocean. Uh, we go in and we just take, 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 and we, we're not paying attention to what's really down there because we don't know. You know, that's just one thing, and that's why I I think we need to bring awareness without, and I'm not trying to stand on a soapbox. It's just because of what I do. These are the issues that I'm dealing with. And because I cook for a living and because everybody eats, I see things that we might not be savvy to as a regular consumer. And maybe this is my calling, just to try and help everyone make good decisions when it comes to their food and food purchasing, as well as nutrition uh, and, and intake of, of things that are not just delicious, but also have some sort of nutritious quality to it rather than uh, convenience. Can you lastly share what would you like your legacy to be, Paul? Overall, just for the world to be a little bit better um, by the time I exit than it was when I came into it, and that's all. If you have any questions, comments, or opinions on today's show, please contact us at mcmillanestate.com. Thank you for listening, and we invite you to join us again next Sunday at 5 for The Strong Room.